the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Welcome. Hello. We're coming to you tonight <laughs> live from the ruins of an English castle that have Ooh. been renovated to accommodate wheelchairs. Nice. It's the Worldview Media Podcast, part of the Reconstructionist Radio, your uh, one stop shop for all your dominionizing needs. <laughs> oh. The Worldview Media crew is. Down a member or two tonight. It's and a sparse crowd today. And that may be the way it is for a while. Sad but true. So I am your co-host, Gordon Runyon, and with me is Miss Joyce, my lovely and talented wife of 130 years. <laughs> uh, for a thousand years. <laughs> You know, we haven't been married that long. Just, what, 32? It just feels like it. <laughs> Is that just it? Like every year feels like 10. <laughs> it's like in dog years, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Our, uh, our usual co-host, Miss Jordan, will probably be listening to the podcast. Oh, that's right. Way. Hey, Jordan. <laughs> so shout out to Jordan. She has a real job now. And... Uh, what? She is in the. <laughs> she does. She's in the big city of Las Vegas, New Mexico. New Mexico, that's right. Little Las Vegas, I believe they call it. And she's teaching at the university up there. She is working on her graduate degree. Yeah, yeah. And taking classes so that she will teach next but semester. She is doing some teaching, right? She, I think she's supposed to be in the writing center for this semester. And then next semester, after she takes her courses on how to teach, oh, yeah, yeah, she'll yeah. probably be doing some classes in the spring. But she's mostly paying her way, though, right? Uh, she got a scholarship to attend, and um, I'm very proud of her for doing that. Not quite the plan she was thinking of, but, yeah. you know, sometimes God's plan and our plan don't quite mesh up. <laughs> All right. Speaking of that, <laughs> speaking of that, we're talking about the show called Me Before You, hmm. which is a British movie yeah. with many stars that you will recognize from other British shows movies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Shows like uh, Doctor Who and yeah. Downton Abbey uh-huh. and Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so let's summarize this movie. You have a, a, what is she, in her 20s? Yeah, I would think so. Louisa, she calls herself Lou. Everybody that knows her calls her Lou. And she's kind of, she doesn't have much going on, right? She's working to help support her family while her Her father is unemployed. But I don't get the sense that she's very ambitious. 
Well, I think she wants to do some things that are kind of out of the box. You know, she's not wanting your traditional job. She likes to design things. She's kind of quirky. She's a little bit um, outside (laughs) of the norm. So, but she is doing what she can to help her family. So whatever plans she had. She's kind of willing to put them on hold a little bit. uh, She's put those aside. And she gets an opportunity to be like a personal assistant, or I don't even know what you would call the position. It was unusual. is just like a companion. (laughs) Right. You know, I don't think she's really trained medically to take care of anybody, but she's just She's been hired by a wealthy family to go and take care of their son, who is about her age, and he was in an accident that left him as a paraplegic. Quad. Quadriplegic, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Got me on that one. <laughs> so his name is William Trainer, and apparently before he got injured, he was kind of a, a big media shot. darling. Yeah. And well, from a wealthy family, well-to-do. Kind of a playboy um, type. Yeah. Was in a relationship with a beautiful girl. Yeah. Had everything seemingly. Yeah. Was into things want. like extreme sports. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, her job is basically just to keep him company because he can't do much and he sits in his wheelchair in one room every day. Uh, from that point, I feel like the movie got pretty predictable. And that was right at the beginning. We also have. A couple of cats in the studio for <laughs> gonna try to break out. <laughs> <laughs> They're not very interested in the worldview media podcast. They have their own worldview, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Do we need to put that one out? I think that's what she's saying. Well, we have one of our one leaving, probably another one will say, I'll come in now and we'll move along. All right, so here we are. So Lou goes to stay with Will, and predictably, he's mad at the world, and he has mm-hmm. a big wall, defensive yeah. wall up, and and it's only a matter of time before her out of the box quirkiness and indomitable will mm-hmm. to be uh, lighthearted and carefree will melt the defensive wall. Well, now, the other thing of this, too, is that she really does need this job. Yeah. You know, she was let go from her other job. She's working for an agency. Right. Goes in, I don't have my job anymore. (laughs) We really don't have anything for you. Oh, wait, we just got this one thing in. She does need the job, and so that makes her put up with a lot of stuff. Yeah, that I think Because he treats her bad to try to drive her off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but you can see it coming from a mile away that that she's going to melt his defenses and he's going to wind up falling for her or something and and that's pretty obvious Mm -hmm. she's also got a boyfriend named Neville Longbottom (laughs) I think his real name is uh, Patrick Matthew Lewis is the actor it's Neville Longbottom (laughs) and and his thing is that he's a fitness freak Yeah, and uh, he may be like a personal trainer or something He spends a lot of time But he's running. all about how much he's running today and stuff like yeah. that. How much he's exercised today. Uh, reminds me of a particular Christian apologist with a radio program that I think of. 
that's really all he talks about is how much he ran and and I there's see. this fitness competition and something coming up getting ready for it yeah he's yeah. very kind of centered on that stuff and so then early on in the plot it becomes apparent or it becomes revealed that William Trainer has made a deal with his parents that he won't try to kill himself for six months, which apparently he has done in the past. He's attempted it. And so he's given him six months to try to convince him to live. And the deal is that if after the end of this time he still wants to die, they're going to fly him to Sweden, where mm. the euthanasia laws are favorable. Oh, wow. yeah. And he's going to go through a process of assisted suicide and mm -hmm. just put an end to it. And so the big plot crisis then is... Well, no, I think you need to remember, too, that two years has passed since this accident happened. So I think originally he was um, focused on getting better, on overcoming what the doctor's diagnosis was. You know, he was going to beat this thing and he was going to get back to his life. Okay, and that failed, and, that and he's happen. not going to get any better. Right. Yeah, his life is now different, period. Sure. And so Lou gets wind of the fact that he's still looking forward to going and, and killing himself, mm -hmm. and then that's kind of the plot shift where now it's it's about more than just trying to survive at the job or even be friends with him or... To really help try to make his life bearable or whatever. Well, to bring him back out into society. Because right. I don't think he, he's, he's done he's a that. Re he's a yeah. recluse. A recluse. I had recluse and secluded mixed <laughs> up in my mind. I almost said he's a secluse. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> and then I almost said he's recluded. So. <laughs> he's a recluded secluse and... She's trying to reintroduce him, get him interested in things. Family's got all the money. They can fly him to special events, and they can do concerts mm -hmm. and horse races. And He's got all the equipment he needs. He's, right. Yeah. And so she's working very hard to give him some kind of reason to live. And, and eventually, then, they both start having feelings for each other, obviously. And yeah. They're on a trip to some island somewhere, vacation, and... And they actually, obviously, kind of fall in love at that point. And after the trip, he kind of, or at the end of the trip, he kind of drops the bomb that this hasn't changed his mind at all. He's still going to go and mm -hmm. kill himself because his life is never going to be better than this. And Yeah, not worthwhile. Right. Yeah. And, and so the story then winds up that he does go through with it. Mm -hmm. And... She goes to visit him right at the last, and kind of the whole challenge of the movie is to see if she will come to the point of accepting his decision or yeah. or even supporting it. And in fact, at one point, she wasn't going to go and have anything to do with it, and then her dad like has a heart-to-heart -heart with her and says, if you love people, you kind of just have to also love their choices or be willing to deal with their choices or love them with their choices. I forget how he put it, but yeah. made made her think that if she really does love him, she needs to go be with him, even though she doesn't like the choice that he's making and stuff like that. And, hmm. 
And I guess that's it. The last scene is her at a cafe in Paris that mm-hmm. they had talked about visiting together, but now she's there by herself and she's reading a letter that he wrote to her. And yeah, well, I think he was there and was saying, "Yeah, you got to go here. Yeah, you got to go do these things." The the gist of the letter is, I had to die, but I hope that you live a full life and do lots of wonderful things and enjoy yeah. it. And that's the movie. And she looks happy about it. <laughs> right, she's smiling. And, yeah. You know, looking out over everything and reading his letter, and it, it brings her joy. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, what was your overall thought on the movie, or thoughts? Then? Uh, eh, I find it questionable. I find a lot of things in there questionable. Um, just in terms of plot or yeah, writing? or Yeah, and just the message I think it's trying to convey. Yeah. We'll get into that after the break. So, but production and stuff like that? Uh, that wasn't bad. I mean, I think they were... It was an okay movie. I don't really think I cared for the message in it. I think the actors were, you know... Passable. Yeah. I thought Neville Longbottom did a good job. <laughs> for Patrick <laughs> it's good well, to see him trying to break out of the show <laughs> some people won't let him hey you're typecast at this point you did what seven movies as a kid <laughs> I'm sure he was a minor most of those years <laughs> well I really felt like the writing was not good. I thought it was an extremely predictable movie. You could really kind of see it coming from a mile away, everything. Now, I didn't expect the bit about the euthanasia, Mm -hmm. but as soon as that was introduced, you were like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. Yeah, I still think you kind of hoped that... Right. There would be a change at the end, so... But I kind of figured right off that... It's a propaganda film, <laughs> you know. I really believe that. That you know, within the first half hour, I'm thinking, oh, this is a pro euthanasia movie, and and what they're doing is they're they're creating like the worst case scenario that's very emotional and tugs at your heartstrings mm-hmm. and makes you feel sorry for everybody, and and now if they can get you in that state and make you feel sympathetic mm. and, and you know, maybe it is good to die with dignity and, and be in control of when you die and stuff like that. And I just felt like that was uh, so predictable. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's the ploy that they want to use for that. Yeah. But uh, I don't buy it. Oh, no, I'm not saying I bought into it. I'm just saying it was so predictable, precisely because with issues like homosexuality and abortion, Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen this. It's been done. The whole, we'll manufacture the most emotionally charged situation. Well, but I still didn't even think it was valid for this guy, because they have all the funds that they need yeah, you know yeah. he's got a caregiver real caregiver that is there with medical knowledge yeah they can pay for him to go do exciting he's got things a whole every day barn retrofitted <laughs> for him yeah open floor plan he can get around whatever he wants right. you know he can you know his place is tricked out <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Right. How can you feel sorry for somebody like that? Yeah. You know, maybe if it was somebody in her apartment or her yeah. home where they got the real narrow rooms and the real narrow stairs and you can't go anywhere because you can only be downstairs. Well, you do you still feel up, bad for his situation. I mean, it's paraplegics mm. or quadriplegics. It's still, they're not in a good spot physically. And I mean, you do have some empathy for them in that. Not so that, yeah, why don't you just kill yourself? <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I just think it's, nah. <laughs> I don't think the so. Other, well, the other bit about the movie that I didn't like, it was so slow. It, it was ponderous at yeah. times. And maybe it's because it was so predictable, but there isn't mm. a lot of action in the thing, and and it's just so slow. Well, I know when I was looking at movies to watch, the girls were all like, oh, you don't want to see this one, Mom. It's so sad. <laughs> uh, you won't like this one. <laughs> right. And I was like, well, then I'm going to watch it even more. <laughs> so, but um, right. I know Jordan had spoken with me about it after she was like, really, you're going to watch that? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch it. And he says, well, I won't tell you anything, but we can talk afterwards. <laughs> and I guess one real big issue with the writer is that he has no disabilities. Yeah. So he's writing this sad story about a guy with disabilities when he has no clue what Yeah, he's what never been like. really yeah. exposed to it. or yeah. yeah, I don't even know. It's totally out of his head yeah. thinking about what this would be like. Trying to give an yeah. informed view of something he has no knowledge of. So well, there was a bunch of... You were telling me that they kind of got some pushback from actual quadriplegics yeah, and their did. families and mm -hmm. kind of complaining like, you have no experience with this and you're making a movie that basically says quadriplegics have no reason to live. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and here I am. Thank and you And I'm out much. here living a full life. I, yeah. I'm, I have loved ones. I am loved and yeah. I'm enjoying my life. And How dare you write a yeah. Show like that. Yeah. That so. would say my life isn't Worth worthwhile. Living. Right. Yeah. Right. Is of no value. Okay. Well, let's have our break and then we'll come back and talk more worldview stuff and how it was preached to us. Be right back. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.
and we're back, Worldview Media Podcast. We're talking about me, me. before you. <laughs> now, one thing we want to talk more about Worldview and how they preach the message that they're intending to preach. I feel like it's all right there in the title. You know that uh, yeah. it really is all about me, and and I care about me. I don't care before about you. You. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. The whole title says it all. It's all about selfishness and. Uh, you know, Reagan, it, the movie actually made her mad yeah. at, at how selfish this guy was. And, yeah. And really, you know, you hear it all the time. That's that's really true of most suicides is that yeah. it winds up being just a very selfish act. Yeah. Uh, so that was there, and that was part of the thing. The, the other thing that I realized is that uh, Neville Longbottom was just like William Trainer. <laughs> I mean, they were the same because Neville was focused on himself. It was all about himself. Yeah, and he couldn't be bothered to, to deal very this. much with her. Yeah. And, and it, in his case, it was also me before you talking mm-hmm. to Lou. And so both he and Will Trainer kind of had the same Agenda. self-centered thing yeah. going on. Uh, one thing that I thought pretty early on when they first started talking about why are you choosing to die and stuff like that. Uh, His answer, if his answer was right, then we kind of all have a right to die. You know, we should should all be signing up for assisted suicide. (laughs) Because part of his answer was, well, my life isn't at all what I thought it would be. It's not what I think it should be. It's not what I want. And... Mm. And who can raise their hands to that? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, who can't? I mean, who's got the life that's exactly what you planned it to be? Yeah. Who's got the life that has no dark valleys to go through or where you're never suffering loss or you're never achieving what you wanted? And and that was kind of his whole apologetic is the reason I should be allowed to kill myself is because I... There's no way I can have the life that I used to have. And mm-hmm. and, and I don't want what I have now. And, right. It's never going to yeah. turn out to be what I want, and so I should just be able to kill myself. And I'm sitting there watching it going, well, yeah, me too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let me sign up. Put me down. <laughs> but, you know, that really is where that that paradigm leads is to that idea. But the other thing I was thinking is that it's it, it fits exactly with the whole thing that our culture has going on where your life is defined by what you say about it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're born born with boy parts but you want to be a girl, if you identify as a girl, then we're all supposed to yeah. treat you like you are one. And if you if you want to believe that you are naturally and normally attracted to the same sex, you just say that. You just claim it to be true and, and heaven help anybody who disagrees with you yeah. about that. And or even maybe you just don't like somebody who looks different from you. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. And and that's the, I guess, you know, the whole thing in Charlottesville, Virginia has just happened as we're recording this and it's all about that too. It's all, it's all about identity politics, and mm-hmm. I'm part of this group over here, and you're part of that group over there, and yeah. And now we can't like each other; we must hate each other, and 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 it really is about 
uh, I, as an individual apart from God, can define my own existence, even if it's opposite what God says Contrary about it. Contrary to everything, yeah. And in that, in that milieu... <laughs> Where's Jordan? <laughs> in that situation... Yeah, that was all for Jordan. I busted out Melu for Jordan. In in that kind of culture, well, yeah, you you get to say whether your life is worth living or not, and, and you're up, you you're the only one in charge, and who can tell you different? And yeah. The the older Christians. Uh, you know, Christians in the United States a couple of centuries ago, when they, when they wrote their law books and or wrote the laws of the colonies and stuff like that, I think it was pretty regular for them to list suicide and and call it uh, self murder or mm. self homicide. Mm-hmm. And I think that used to be kind of the normal Christian opinion that the reason suicide is wrong is you're committing murder. You yeah. just happen to be doing it to yourself. You refuse to see the image of God in yourself. Yeah, see the value. Yeah. Yeah. And it winds up being a direct strike at the Creator. You're saying, no, I'm not going to live in the world you created me to live in. And, mm-hmm. and I defy you to do anything about it. I, I'm going to take control. Well, and then the other thing is that Although I hate to say it, you know, there really is value in pain and suffering. And that's just true. I mean, nobody likes it. Nobody wants to go through it. But there is value in that. Yeah. Yeah. There's not, if you're not, I mean, apart from the God of the Bible, there's not. Well, I mean, you you shouldn't just go inflict pain on somebody (laughs) and say... Hey, this is going to help you. <laughs> but I think that this is allowed and present because it's a valuable thing. Uh, and sometimes that's what draws people to Christ because they are just in such a painful situation that there's nowhere else to go. And then as a Christian, you know, those things refine you and they get rid of some of the stuff you don't need to be walking around with anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just talking to my fellow Recon Radio podcast host, Shelby Luke, and we're, and Nancy Luke, and we were talking about the fact that as we're advancing in years, both physically... (laughs) Some of us more than others. Right. Well, I've got a lot of gray in my beard these days, and I have the mental capacity of an (laughs) 80-year-old. But, uh, uh, I wasn't sure you're gonna put the T. <laughs> right, not eight, eighty. <laughs> That's right. But we were just talking about the fact that as we look back on our journey with Christ, it's not that I enjoy going through the valleys. You know, they're painful, and and I wouldn't volunteer to go back. Yeah. But as we as we look back, it's maybe more easy to see the presence of God while we were at our lowest point. Even if at the time it didn't feel like that was the case, but we're yeah. able to look back and see, no, that's when God was really there, and and uh, it may have taken me a while to realize it, but it's true. And yeah. so the there's something especially valuable about going through the dark times as a Christian, 
but there's not as an atheist or somebody that doesn't have... Well, it's all random and it means nothing and right. nothing means anything. Yeah, it's really a sad thing to go to a, like an atheist funeral and and have them try to manufacture some kind of meaning or comfort, <laughs> comfort themselves somehow. I was previewing a podcast. I'm, I'm getting into this podcast stuff and it was... <laughs> This woman saying, admitting she was an atheist who wanted to try out faith. <laughs> and I was just like, what? <laughs> She's going to give it a whirl. <laughs> and, you know, and so they were going to do this with a book that they already loved. And I was just like, you are like weird. <laughs> There's no room for that in what you think, in what you say you believe. Right. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, the <laughs> right, right. how are you not just going <laughs> <laughs> so well, it was a uh, kind of kind of weird yeah and you know uh, francis schaefer predicted that that's where we would get as a society because western philosophy has kind of always pictured life as a two-story house and on the on the first floor you have all the horizontal stuff and all the physical material things that you deal with every day mm -hmm. and then in the second floor is spirituality and and transcendent issues like truth and justice and, mm -hmm. and all that and so christians can deal with the two-story two-story house we have a way of understanding both stories to be real and true yeah but what happens with materialistic naturalism every form of atheism it's like you cut off the top story it just doesn't exist yeah and what schaefer believed is that men can only do that for so long because they're not created to believe that way yeah and they're that, suppressing yeah the they're truth. suppressing the truth and unrighteousness yeah. and there are times when they let their finger off the button a little bit and that truth starts <laughs> popping up yeah and and what he predicted was that as the culture got more and more secular in the United States, you would then simultaneously start seeing large groups taking what he called unwarranted leaps into non-reason. Mm -hmm. I think he was saying non-reason, but the video I saw, his accent made it sound like non-reason. <laughs> unwarranted leaps into non-reason. And, and he predicted this would just become rampant. And mm -hmm. so you would find things like materialistic atheists who nevertheless decide for some reason that I'm going to go see a spiritualist or I'm going to go get my, mm -hmm. my astrology chart done or something like that. Talk to them about God and no, it's just the first floor and that's all we have. Yeah, but... <laughs> but they're turning I around in, trying to see if there's yeah. a way to get up to the top floor that they have bulldozed off the yeah. off the house. Well, then I just thought, of all things to have faith in, come on. You know, this is the book you're going to have faith in. I mean, it's a fun book. I like it, but... <laughs> was it the Harry Potter? It was another... <laughs> it was another podcast I was looking at. But uh, She's going to have faith in Harry Potter? Yeah. And, I know. What, and act like it's real? Is that I don't what you're know. I, was, I just I got a snippet of a preview and I thought you are like wow weird. That, that's exactly that's an unwarranted leap into non reason that's, right there. Yeah, and yeah. I was just wow. How can you even? Well, this is something that I love, and I love these stories, and I love these characters, and so I'm gonna. 
can have faith in this. <laughs> there's there's meaning in these words beyond. Oh and boy! And I was just like, oh boy! You know, of all the books, of all the books, really. Well, I guess when you think about it, it's no more ridiculous than like the Book of Mormon or. or well, yeah, I guess. I mean, but I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. You're, right. I'm an atheist, and I'm gonna. I'm going to have faith. Okay. <laughs> well, the atheist does have faith just in materialistic fantasies. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just, uh, there's some weird people out there. Hey, there's weird people. I've tried to shield you all this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you have. <laughs> all right, Mama. Looks like we're about done. You got anything left to say about this movie? Me well, I was you? disappointed. I was disappointed in it. I thought they really could have done something more with it. It was very selfish. Um, I couldn't believe the girl's response at the end. Like, she was like, woohoo, you know, yeah, here I am like she was happy. And, yeah. and this is a good time. And, you know, I would be, like, really mad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. How dare you. Yeah. yeah. Because then it's not just you saying yourself you have no value, but nobody around you has any value either. Exactly. That you was know. his whole point. Yeah. So, Even though I, I feel like I love you in this moment, and I know you love me. You know what? Meh. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was just it was weird, and and like I say, there is value in having to to endure. Yeah. And to make it through the end, and you were talking about you know going through the valley. Yeah. And it's about going through. It's not stopping once you get in it, you know. <laughs> right, right. You have to go through. And I think he just said, eh, I'm going to stop and come I don't like here. this valley. I'm going home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't like away. it, so I'm just right. going to stay here. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> but it's a process, and it's going through. And, you know, and especially, I think, for Christians, we need just to remember that we have promises. We have purpose, yeah. And uh, Purpose in all things. Yeah. God works all things together for good for those who are called according to His purpose, who love Him and are called according to His purpose. <laughs> what is that purpose? Uh, the one He has chosen for us. To be conformed. Yeah. To somebody else's image and not our own. <laughs> you got that right. Romans eight twenty eight. Uh, well, the other, something else occurred to me, and now I think I may have lost it. Okay. That's sharp mind. <laughs> right. It's my 80-year-old brain. <laughs> Things and don't 70 stick around. 70-year-old body, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it just feels like 70 years oh, old. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Now I got you. <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, the challenge that Christians often hear is, how can you believe in a good God when there's so much suffering in the world? Mm. And my... My go-to answer, if I can pull it out, is always, uh, where did you get the impression that a good God would have a responsibility to limit suffering? You understand what I'm saying? They've kind of assumed something about God mm -hmm. that He never promises. He hasn't. That's not part of he God's promise job. promise you a rose garden? Never. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want me to break out in song. <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't know this. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're tempting me, woman. 
not going to do it. <laughs> Hold. <laughs> well, then I think the reverse on that, too, is who is causing all this suffering? Yeah. It's, you know, God isn't doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> yeah, mostly that's true. But, you know, if, if that's a challenge to Christians, if you believe in a good God, why is there so much suffering? If that's a real challenge to our faith, which I don't think it is, how is that not a challenge to atheism? Uh, what's the purpose then in suffering? Well, there's there's nothing. Yeah. And, and well, not just in suffering. I mean, in way anything. In anything else, yeah. right? Right. No purpose in pleasure either. You just happen to like the one yeah. better than the other. Or education, or a good job, or. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should just all go to Sweden. Sweden look nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? No. All right. Well, in the world, words of uh, Chael P. Sonnen, I've had it with you and all you out there. <laughs> Why are you listening to such frivolous things? Go out there and dominionize. And maybe we'll... And thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks.